How many of you know who Tina Turner is? Okay, you think, man, that's, that's, a, that's, a, that's a strange way to start a sermon. <laughs> Especially after what God's just done. Tina Turner, and, and, and Kathy told me to say this, okay. No, this is good. This is good. This is not. This is not. This is not bad. Kathy told me to say that. In my opinion, this is my opinion. Tina Turner is the queen of rock and roll. Okay. Now, if you don't like rock and roll, it's okay. All right. And I'm not doing a commercial for it. I just grew up on that kind of music. And as far as I'm concerned, she's the queen. Elvis is the king, and she's the queen. Now, Tina Turner. There's a lot of things that's gone on in Tina's life. I'm not here to judge, but but. She is a powerful singer, okay? She is a powerful singer. She, she sang a song in 1984. Her career had kind of bottomed out, hadn't heard from her in, in a little while, and she, she cut a song. It's called What's Love Got to Do With It? It went to the top of the charts. In fact, it became her uh, highest-grossing single that she had ever put out. And I'm not going to give you the whole song, but I'm going to give you the, the chorus. Because there, do, how many of you realize God can speak prophetically? And it doesn't have to come out of, of the book, okay? Now, he speaks prophetically out of his book, but he can use car tags and billboards and, and people. And he can use songs if our spiritual ears are open. And I, God's been kind of dealing with me the last few weeks on, on maybe doing a series called What's Love Got to Do With It? And so I, I got the, the, the song out, and, and in the chorus, it speaks, okay? It speaks. It's, she, she sings, What's Love Got to Do With It? Got to do with it. What's love but a sweet old-fashioned notion? What's love got to do with it? Got to do with it. Who needs a heart when a heart can be broken? Folks, that is a haunting song about somebody who is hungry for intimate, for intimacy, who's hungry for passionate relationship, who hungers for companionship, but on the other side of the coin are totally fearful of commitment. They're afraid. You know why they're afraid? Because they've been hurt. Their heart has been crushed, and they've decided, you know what, I'm going to shut my heart door, and nobody will ever get in that place again. I'll make sure I don't ever hurt like this again. And there are some people in this room this morning who are in that condition, okay? Maybe more of us than are not, because all of us have been hurt by love. Love is a powerful tool, but it's also a devastating weapon. If it's used by someone who doesn't really understand it. And Tina Turner, if you know her story, uh, her husband, Ike, was abusive and, and they divorced. And, and as you listen to that song, although I can picture her with all that energy she sings with, I've never seen anybody run in place as fast as she can, okay? I, I, I mean, I just, yeah! I just get excited about watching her sing that song. But as, as she sings it, there's somebody else that you can see if you look real hard. It's somebody who desperately wants love, but who's so afraid of it. And folks, that person can't embrace love. That person can't feel love. 
like they need to. They were created. We were all created to experience it. God created us to experience love. And not just experience it, but embrace it and reciprocate. You see, He wanted to pour His love out in us so that we could pour our love back up to Him. That's why He created us. Yes, we're supposed to take dominion over this planet. And we're to be the stewards of this planet. Yes, we're supposed to reproduce. And we're to mirror God and we're created in His image. But ultimately, when you boil it down, God created us for His glory. And a part of that glory was to love Him back, to respond back to Him in the same way that He was pouring out in us. And folks, most of us are terrified to do that. We're scared to death that somebody might think we're weird. I don't care what you think about me, okay? I'm as weird and strange as I can be, all right? And if you don't think so, talk to Kathy. She'll tell you I am. And and anybody that knows me long enough knows I'm strange, okay? And that's okay, all right? And you can amen. It doesn't bother me. But but what's love got to, to do with it anyway? That's a good question. What's love got to do with it? It's a question I think is worthy of answering. You see, you can't have intimacy. You can't have companionship. You can't have relationship without commitment. Without commitment. You can't have it without opening yourself up. You see, we live in little castles that we have blocked up a block at a time. Every time we got hurt, we put a block in the wall. Until finally, all we can see is the inside of our little castle that was supposed to protect us. And you know what that castle looks amazingly like? A prison cell. I can't see the outside anymore. I can't see what's happening. I hunger to go out there, but I'm afraid to. Because if I go out there, I'm going to get hurt. Listen to me. Real love satisfies that heart, but it also hurts from time to time. That's just a part of it. If you don't believe that, get married. It's just a reality. We, it's just a reality. Okay, I don't, I don't mean that in a negative way. But what happens when, you're, when you're, you're married? Well, very often, the person you love the most, from time to time, they're the people you hurt the most. It's not that you necessarily want to. It's just that that's what happens. That happens except with one person. That's God. God will never hurt you with his love I want you to listen to me okay it may not be ooey gooey in what you think love is my daddy used to express love and sometimes he had to do it with his belt any of y'all know what I'm talking about he disciplined me so I wouldn't do stupid things and hurt myself or hurt somebody else as a parent we have to we discipline our children Because we love them. If we don't discipline our children, it says that we hate them and we're willing to let them do anything they want and hurt themselves. God's not like that. God is a a heavenly Father who will discipline us. But He does it in love. Never does it in anger. Many people in this room have this sign, what's love got to do with it, nailed over their heart. You've been hurt. And you've locked yourself up in an emotional prison. And you've locked yourself up in a spiritual prison because somebody, somewhere, hurt you. Maybe you grew up in an abusive situation. 
And because of that, you refuse to let anybody close. There's, there's a place where nobody crosses, not even God. Maybe you're here and, 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 and somebody broke your heart. You loved them unconditionally. They broke your heart. They used you. They abandoned you. Or they failed to live up to what you expected them to. Perhaps you're here and it's just easier to go through the motions than deal with the emotions. Let me say that again. Sometimes it's easier to go through the motions of life than deal with the emotions of that pain deep down inside. What happens is you you become afraid that if those emotions get loose, you won't be able to stuff them back down. So it's just easier and it's safer to keep them locked away, even though if you got them locked away, I guarantee you this is true. You're struggling with depression. You're struggling with, with uh, being miserable. You're hungry for something that no matter what you try, it doesn't satisfy. You're lonely or you're unfulfilled. And that's just, that's just reality. You can keep those things locked away. But that place where you've got them locked was a place that God meant for himself to fill. And if it's not full... You're not fulfilled. So you can stuff it down. You can lock the door. You can throw away the key. You can paint skulls and crossbones. Do not enter. Chain up the gate. Do everything you want. But listen to me. That garbage in there will seep out from under the doors and it will poison the rest of you. You can't keep fear contained. It will get out. And if you're just fearful in one area, you know what will happen over time? You'll become fearful in every area. If you feel ashamed of one thing and you don't deal with it, what happens is shame gets out. And it creates shame in every other area. And I could go on and on and on and on and on. Yes, it's easier. And it seems safer. But folks, easier and safer does not equal healthy, right, or obedient. That's just the bottom line. I want you to listen to a passage of Scripture in 1 John 4. It's verse 7 and 8. John says, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. The one who does not love does not know God, for God is love. God is love. Listen to 1 John 4, 16 through 21. John keeps going. He says, God is love. And the one who abides in love abides in God, and God abides in him. That word abide means to pitch their tent. The one who pitches their tent in love pitches their tent in God. And God pitches his tent in him or her. By this love is perfected with us, that we may have confidence in the day of judgment. Because as he is, so also are we in this world. There is no fear in love. Now, do you hear that? There is no fear in love. For perfect love casts out fear, because fear involves punishment. And the one who fears is not perfected in love. We love, and here's the reason, because he first loved us. If someone says, I love God, and hates his brother, or let me just put a backslash there, his sister, he or she is a liar. So I don't like that. I didn't say that. God did. If 
You hate your brother or you hate your sister, you're a liar. For the one who does not love his brother or sister whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. And this is the commandment we have from him, that the one who loves God should love his brother also. Those are powerful, powerful statements. John just throws those in. He, the, the gospel, I mean, the, the first John is, is a book about really for Christians to test their Christianity, to test are they really in Christ or not. And he gets to this area, and a lot of times we get caught up in God is love, and he is. That's his essence. That's who he is. That's, 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 if, you, if you boil him down and you can't, everything he does is done in love. And we are supposed to be like him. We're created in his image and in his likeness. So everything that we do is to be centered in love. We're to have his kind of love. Now, that kind of love that's mentioned here is what the Greeks called agape love. And how many of you have ever heard a sermon on agape love? Everybody here. You're not going to get one. Well, you may get one, but it's not going to be like the ones you've probably heard. Agape, when we hear agape, we, we, we hear that defined as God's kind of love. You ever heard that definition? It's God's kind of love. Well, that's a great definition, but it has absolutely no meaning to me. Okay? You have to understand what God's love is like. Y'all, y'all track it with me? That's God's kind of love. Fantastic. I've never experienced that. Maybe, what does that look like? What's that taste like? You, you know, you tell somebody, this is God's kind of love. Okay, is that like the love I got from my father who abused me and beat me? Or my mother who abandoned me? No, 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 it's different. And so, we don't define it because, dadgummit, we just don't know how. God defines it. I'm going to read the definition. He defined it and put it in print. Now, we like this passage to read at weddings. Okay? But it was meant to define what kind of, God, what kind of love God loves us with. Listen to this. It's in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Love is patient. Is your love patient all the time? Oh, me. Love is kind. Is your love kind all the time? Oh, my. Love's not jealous. Mm. Mm-mm. Love does not seek its own. Just let these things kind of settle. And, and you start to, to get a definition that's not the ooey, gooey stuff that most of us want to believe. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love's not jealous. Love does not seek its own. It's not provoked. It does not take into account a wrong suffered. It does not rejoice in unrighteousness, but rejoices with the truth. It bears all things. It believes all things. It hopes all things. It endures all things. Love never fails. Now, I could preach for the rest of my life, and I couldn't fathom those short few verses. Okay? But that's what unconditional agape love looks like. And God fleshes it out, folks. He's fleshed it out for every one of us, individually. Every one of us, he's poured that kind of love out on us. And you know what? You could spend the rest of your lifetime 
and the rest of eternity trying to get your mind around it. And you wouldn't plumb all of it. God is patient. Patient. How many of you struggle with impatience? How many of you struggle with being kind? How many of you struggle with jealousy? How many of you want what you want when you want it? Uh, a lot of you need to get your hands up here. How many of you are, are, are just peace-loving and never get provoked at anything? How many of you don't worry about when somebody does you wrong and getting even? How many of you rejoice when you see somebody that's getting what they deserve? (laughs) And then there's a little word in this verse. It's a conjunction. The conjunction, but. The whole verse turns on that little conjunction, but. And then God says, but rejoices with truth, bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never fails. Folks, that's the kind of love every one of us want to experience right here. That's the kind of love we don't not only want to experience, but deep, deep down inside of us, every one of us want to, to embrace somebody else with that kind of love. We're, we're created that way. And what happens is, for whatever reason, we don't experience it. We, and the reason we don't is because we won't allow it over the wall. And guess what? If it can't get over the wall in, the love that you want to express can't get back over the wall. Does that make sense? And so we keep God at arm's length. I'm okay. Everything's good. How you doing, brother? I'm doing great. Doing great. And on the inside, we're dying. Folks, let's just be real honest. There's not a person in this room this morning that their mother hadn't hurt, their daddy hadn't hurt, or somebody hadn't hurt. Amen? Okay, I'm going to take a song from a very theological song. It's called Get Over It by the Eagles. It's time to get over some of that stuff, okay? It's time to get over it. And the only way you're going to get over it is to, is to open a hole in your little wall and let God in. Because once God gets inside that little prison cell you've built, His sheer size will destroy the walls. Okay? And you will experience His love. And when you experience it, then what happens is you begin to express it. You see, love, as I mentioned a while ago, is the very nature of who God is. Everything He does comes out of love. It guides Him. Love guards Him. This is not something that He does. It, folks, literally, this kind of love is who He is. It's His essence. It's His being. This is the kind of love that we were created to experience and we were called to express. This is the kind of love that sets you free from bondage and propels you into the purpose for which you were created, for your destiny. See, God created Adam and He created Eve that, that he could, so He could express His love to a created being who had no clue what He was like. You see, God was in relationship with Himself. There was perfect love there with the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. God didn't lack anything. That's not why He created uh, creation. No, God wanted to share Himself with, with more. And so He created us. 
And folks, true intimacy with God is what He wanted us to experience. And based on what I've seen in the body of Christ, this happens very, very rarely. Every once in a while, you meet somebody that is not only has embraced it and experienced it, but that experience has caused them to express it. It's like when Moses went up on the mountain. You knew he'd been in God's presence. Why? Because he glowed like a hundred watt bulb. He looked like a spotlight. Well, you know what? You can tell when someone has experienced this kind of love with God because it exudes from them. It comes out from them. You can't keep it contained. Folks, God created us with that way. He created us with the capacity to receive it and then to give it, to experience it, to express it. God loved them. He Everything they needed, He put in the garden. And as they learned how to use the garden and how to take care of the garden, the garden was to expand. They were to produce children who would expand the garden and show creation how much God loved it and on and on until it covered the planet. Guess what? I don't know how big the garden was, but never got any bigger because they believed a lie. And most of us have believed the same lie. And that lie ultimately is God really doesn't love you as much as He says He does. And by that, you know what? Because He doesn't love you as much as He says He does, He's going to get you. That's boiled down as, as simple as I can put it. And so most believers... Are, are, are living lives locked in a prison, fearful that God's going to get them. Folks, God got us at the cross. He put His arms out, and so that He couldn't shut those arms and keep us away, they nailed them out. Okay? And when He came off that cross and up out of that grave, folks, you can't visualize, you can't describe love any better. The picture is there. Jesus said, there's no greater love than to give your life for someone, a friend. Jesus gave his life for us. And God created us, every one of us, with a capacity for an intimate relationship. Now, lots of people don't like it when you when you talk about intimacy. Okay, they, they think you're talking about sexual issues. I'm not. Listen to me. I'm talking about heart-to-heart relationships. There are two warriors in the Bible. One's name is Jonathan. The other name is David. There's a beautiful picture. It's not a homosexual relationship. It is a friendship between two real guys whose hearts were knit together. There are other pictures in Scripture of the same thing. And that's what God wants us to experience with Him. A relationship where our hearts are knit together, where our spirit is knit to His, where our soul is knit to His. Where we, where we have those, those moments, and, I, and I, I really believe God intended it to be all the time, where we are one with Him. Where it's not just me walking by myself, but it's me and God everywhere I go. And I'm communing with Him whatever I'm doing. No matter if it's sleeping or early in the morning, late at night. Folks, God created us. And literally, 
Here's the key to intimacy, and here's, here's why it scares all of us to death. Literally, a literal definition of intimacy is into me you see. That's what intimacy is. It means I don't have any blinder on. I don't have any wall up. The door to who I am is open. You know what? Let's just be real honest. In the world we live in, you don't walk around with your heart open because somebody will step on it. They'll wipe their feet on it. They'll spit on it. They'll use it and abuse it. But you know what? God's not that way. God desires for to look into us. And you say, well, God knows what's inside of us. Yes, He does. But you know what? God wants us to open that door and allow Him to look in freely with nothing to keep Him from looking. And when that happens, you know what He does? He opens another door and lets us look into Him. That's what glory to glory is. We move from one level of relationship to another level to another level to another level until eventually... We're closer to heaven than we are earth. See, God wants to look into us so that we can look into Him. But you know what? That kind of relationship means that we have to share all that we are with whoever that other person is. It means that that we have to open ourselves up for the pleasure of another. And that's what scares us. You know, I'm not going to open myself up. You might do what so-and-so did. Or the same thing that happened to me once before is going to happen again. See, we're fearful. But to experience the kind of love we were created for, we have to do that. We have to open the door. Folks, that is a terrifying thought. Amen? Y'all can say it. It's okay. I can see it on your faces. That scares the bejeebers out of me. There's another word went through my head. I'm going to let it fly. Okay? Just being honest with you. Probably didn't need to say that. The kind of love I'm talking about is where you sacrifice yourself for another. And if I open my heart up that way, I've basically showed you everything that I am and who I am. I've sacrificed. You see, when you open that heart up to Jesus, Jesus opens his up, and it's the same heart. You see? Intimacy is heart to heart, spirit to spirit. It allows you to see into me, to know me, and really to experience who I am and to accept me. See, when you love somebody unconditionally, you accept them right where they are in whatever mess they're in. It doesn't mean you accept their sin but it means you don't condemn them either because you know what true love does true love changes people it gives us courage to stop being what we were it gives us strength to take steps that we would never taken by ourselves it encourages us to be more than we are that's what that's when 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 god says you know Love is patient, it's kind, it's not jealous, it doesn't seek its own, it's provoked, it doesn't take into account all the wrong suffered, it doesn't rejoice in righteousness, but rejoices with truth, bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. You know what that makes me want to do? Yeah! I can be what God says I can be. All of a sudden, I'm not worrying about all the shortcomings I've got. Let me just give somebody a word here this morning. 
If God has saved you, God will sanctify you. He will conform you to the image of Christ. And one day you will pop out of that mold and you will be like Jesus. That's the hope of glory. Okay? The hope of glory is not heaven. All right? We've, 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 we've shrank it down to one of these days we'll die and be in the by and by. Now that's important. Don't, don't miss it. But God intended that we experience heaven here as well. Now we can't get all of it here. But we can get a lot more of it here than we're tasting. Remember the prayer? My kingdom come, my will be done. Heaven kisses earth. Heaven comes to earth. That's, what, that's all Jesus was praying. Lord, I pray that heaven would come to earth. I pray that what you see done in heaven in every moment will be done in my life. Folks, most people don't ever experience that kind of love with God or anybody else. And that's why I'm going to say this, and it may make you mad, but I've lived 57 years. This is proven out over and over and over, okay? And it's okay if you say amen at the end of it. That's why Christians are some of the most frustrated, angry, mean, unfulfilled people on this planet. Most Christians I mean are like, are like lemons, Okay? Although I love them in Christ, I don't really want to be around some of them. They're just negative. They're judgmental. They're abusive and abrasive. They're like sandpaper. They're like the, the, the stone that spins on your grinder. You get up against them and you leave bleeding. Amen. There are a lot nicer people that are lost. I know some. They're nice as they can be. Now, having said that, I'm, I'm not pointing at anybody. I'm pointing to myself. That, that's, the, that's the way the world looks at us. Why would I want to be like them? They're frustrated. Whatever it is they're talking about, they've never obviously experienced that they would be different. Okay, i got to go on. Y'all know what I'm saying. We're frustrated, folks, because we can almost taste it, but we just can't taste it. When I ride through Fultondale and start down the hill to the, to the uh, target, I get a whiff of full moon, and everything else disappears in my head. I mean, it does. Some of y'all know what I'm talking about because you know exactly where I'm at. Where I'm at. I take my billfold out, and I don't have a dime in it. And I know I don't need to spend the credit card, so I just drive on by, frustrated. And folks, that's a picture of the church. We're frustrated. We can smell it, we can taste it, but we're not experiencing it. And folks, that's not God's fault. That's not God's fault. See, God desires to pour out His love on us, but we have to drop the defenses I mean, I can't receive it if I've got a wall built around me. I can't receive it if, if I'm living in a prison cell and I'm unwilling to surrender everything to just get one taste. I mean, there have been days when I've driven by there that I would have given every dime I had just for one bite of that barbecue meat. You know what I'm talking about? 
Hey, I'll guarantee you, you taste God. You really taste God. You taste what I'm talking about here. And you know what? The rest of the stuff don't come close. You'll give everything for another taste and another taste. God says, if you'll seek me with all your heart, I will let you find me. See, God desires folks to overwhelm us with his love, to lavish it out on us. That word lavish means to to pour into a bucket until it runs over and just keep pouring. And folks, that's what God says. I will lavish my love on those who love me to a thousand generations. It'll just keep splattering. If If I could do something that I knew would touch a thousand generations of my family after me, I would do it as long as it's legal, okay, and right. God says, if you'll just love me, you'll touch a thousand generations. If you'll just let me love you, you'll touch even more. Now, I know what some of you are saying, but preacher, you know, I've been taught this. I've been taught this. I've been taught this. If I don't do this, and I don't do that, I don't do this, God can't love me. You don't understand, preacher. I've done this. I've committed this. God couldn't love me. I want you to listen to me. This is about as simple as it gets. Drop all your excuses. Forget about all those things you've been taught you have to do. Okay? Jesus did everything that was needed so that you could receive the kind of love he wants to pour out. Every bit of it. All we have to do is just experience it. It's like being thrown in the deep end of the pool. All I have to do is sink. I can splash if I want to. I can swim around in it. See, Jesus has done everything that we need. But preacher, you don't understand what so-and-so did to me. You don't understand how I've suffered. You don't know what I've lost. You don't know how lonely I am, how terrified I am at this very moment. You, you know what? You're right. I don't know. But God does. And here's something that you may not realize. When all of that was happening, God was right there with you. And the only reason that you're still here is He never let go. He never let go of you. He kept His hand on you or you would have been destroyed. You would have been rendered jelly, mush. You would have dried up and disappeared, but God didn't let go. Yeah, but, yeah, but, yeah, but, yeah, but. God had his hand on you. That's why you're still here. And God never abandoned you, and God was pursuing you then, and he's pursuing you now. No matter how far you run, no matter where you hide, God is already there. He's sitting with you. He's sitting with you in that prison cell. He may be a little silent, but he's there. You're just not in a position where you can receive all he wants to pour out. You've got to let go. You've got to surrender. Your heart is crying out. Our heart is crying out for what God wants to give. And, And God desires you right now. He wants you. You say, well, God doesn't need anything. No, he doesn't need anything. But God has chosen to want us, to desire us. Now, I know some of you, that, that struggles with your theology. That's what Scripture teaches. I have loved you with an everlasting love. Therefore, I have drawn you to myself. I have wooed you to me. Why? Because I want you. I desire you. 
this morning, I want you to just, I'm going to read some verses. Most of them are out of the Old Testament because I find it interesting that most Christians think the God of the Old Testament and the God of the New Testament are almost two different gods. The one in the Old Testament was angry and the one in the New Testament, he's still somewhat angry, but he's, he's a little bit more pacified. God hasn't changed. God has not changed, okay? I want you to listen to what God says. I want you to close your eyes right now. You can, if, you, if you just need to read the screen, you can. But I want you just to listen to this. And I want you to let it settle there. God is, what God is saying as I read these verses is, Child, I love you. I've loved you with an everlasting love. Therefore, I have drawn you with loving kindness. I have wooed you to my side. For I, the Lord, your God, who upholds you, I uphold your right hand. And I say to you, don't fear. I will help you. I love this one. Get, get this picture. Can a woman forget her nursing child and have no compassion on the son of her womb? Then he says this, even these may forget, but I will not forget you. The Lord your God is in your midst. A victorious warrior. He will exult over you with joy. That word exult means to jump for joy. That's literally what it means. God says, I will jump for joy over you. And I will be quiet in your, my love. And then some translations say he will rejoice, but the word is he will sing over you with shouts of joy. And then one of my favorite verses in, in Scripture is in Lamentations. And if you don't know anything about Lamentations, Lamentations is the book Jeremiah sat up on the hill and wrote as he watched the city that he loved and the people that he loved murdered, killed, burned, and destroyed. He lamented. And in the middle of, in, the, in, the, in, the, in that book, near the end, this is what he says. The Lord's loving kindness indeed shall never cease. Now you, you have to realize what he's seeing with his natural eyes. He's seeing his people. He's seeing the city. He's seeing the temple destroyed. He's seeing it burned. He's seeing it looted. And he says... The Lord's loving kindness indeed shall never cease, for His compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I have hope in Him. The Lord is good to those who wait for Him, to the person who seeks Him. Give thanks to the God of heaven, for His loving kindness is everlasting. That word loving kindness that we see there and that loving kindness that we heard in the first one where God says, I've drawn you with loving kindness is the word, it's the New Testament word, grace. Grace. Then I want to read one verse, or excuse me, one passage out of Romans 8 and we're through. This is a New Testament verse. Maybe you're struggling this morning. You say, yeah, but you don't know this, you don't know that, you, I've done this, I've done that. Listen to what God says. Who or what, it could be either one, shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? But in all things we overwhelmingly conquer 
through him who loved us. And Paul says this. He says, For I am convinced it is settled in my soul. That's what he means. This is done as far as I'm concerned. For I am convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Paul, Paul sums it up there in case you've got an argument. He says, and no other created thing. Everything that you can think, know, or do is a result of creation. All right? So nothing that we can come up with can separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus. Bottom line this morning, some of you just need to throw your hands up and surrender. You need to bring the wound and give it to Jesus. Some of you have been wounded years ago and it hurts just as bad as it did the moment you were wounded. And it's still bleeding. And it's still raw. And until you give it to Jesus, it will never heal. Time does not heal all problems. Folks, it's what we do with the time. Okay? And the time has come for some of you to say, God, I got an arrow through my heart. And no matter what I do, it hurts. You know what God says I'll do? I'll remove the arrow. I'll touch that place with my love. And you'll experience what you were made and created to experience. See, God wants to do a breakthrough in you right now. Folks, His love is not based on your performance. His love is not based on how well we do or how poorly we do something. His love is not based on on anything but who He is. And here's the kicker. He has chosen who love us. He doesn't love us because of anything we've done or we've done this, this, and this. Or we've walked down an aisle and we've said, I want to accept Jesus. He doesn't love us because of those things, folks. He loves us in spite of all those things. He just loves us. He has chosen to love us. And right now, He wants us to experience all that He is. Everything, folks. Everything. He wants all of you. Okay? He don't want a little piece here and a little piece there. He wants all of you. He wants you to throw your hands up, wave the white flag, and say, God, I give up. I surrender. You know what? Some of you can hear his voice right now. It's just just clear in your head. Others can feel His touch. We respond to God differently. Some of you, God's saying, stop running. He's saying, just give in, give up. Some of you, you can feel, you're running, but you can feel His hand on you, and your your feet are doing like Speedy Gonzales. You're not going anywhere. And God's just saying, relax. Chill out. Folks, if you will allow Him to love you, He will. 
And whatever the need is, he'll meet. Whatever the wound is, he'll heal. Whatever the hurt is, he'll wipe it away. Whatever the fear is, he will replace it with courage. Whatever the bondage is, he'll bring freedom and release. What's love got to do with it? Everything. Everything. Let's pray. For more information on Eagles Wing Church, visit our website at www.eagleswingchurch.org or on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash Eagles Wing Church. Thanks for listening and have a blessed week.